there's this magic combination of packaging, imagery, brand, price points, ingredient deck, just the flavor combination, and Ruby Jewel has it. Welcome to The Irresistible Factor, a podcast where I talk to founders and investors and retailers about what it takes to launch successful brands, from developing a compelling proposition and brand identity, to raising capital, to getting distribution, and more. My name is Christy Bridges, and I'm a marketing expert with tons of experience and a true love for all things health and wellness. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode of The Irresistible Factor. I'm super excited to be interviewing Eric Koppelman, who is the CEO of Ruby Jewel. And I am so happy to be talking about a subject that is so delightful on this Thursday. So we're going to talk about ice cream sandwiches. So welcome to the podcast, Eric. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming. And maybe you could just take a minute and tell us a little bit about Ruby Jewel and how you got there and what you're all about. Yeah, no problem. Ruby Jewel, we are a super premium indulgent ice cream sandwich. We are made with RBST free milk and cream, but we are a, you know, full fat, full sugar, full flavor, truly indulgent treat. We've been around as a business for about 18 years now, founded by a business partner of mine, our founder, Lisa Herlinger. And she started off by selling ice cream sandwiches and creating our wonderful flavor combinations back at farmer's markets in 2004. And over the nearly two decades since, we've developed Ruby Jewel into a nationally distributed grocery and natural foods brand and excited to continue to grow and build this business. Yeah. So how did you get involved in the brand? My background is in food. I've been in the food industry for about 25 years now. The early part of my my career was spent in, you know, big CPG working on brands like Velveeta and DiGiorno and Velveeta shells and cheese and Cracker Barrel. And about 20 years ago, I got into the the natural side of the business mm-hmm. and I've stayed in that side of the business uh, ever since. And really my specialty is helping small brands grow and develop and be effective challenger brands against the established national brands in, in the category. So, so I met Lisa, gosh, it's, it's years ago now, five, six years ago, just networking and a friend of a friend in the industry introduced us based on my background in natural foods. And she was looking for a new pass on how to grow and how to manage her business. And so we got introduced and connected that way. I started off as a a board member on Ruby Jewel about five years ago. And as we were trying to narrow the focus of our strategy and develop and build the business over a period of a couple of years, the opportunity presented itself for me to join join the business and and run operationally on a day-to-day basis. So I'm at about my two-year anniversary right now as the CEO of Ruby Jewel. Awesome. Congratulations. And how do you feel from a brand growth perspective? I mean... Talk about starting at farmer's markets is pretty amazing and and a really good part of the brand story. How is that translating into where you're selling product now and where you hope to be? Yeah, well, I think it's, it's, it's a really interesting story with what Lisa was able to create and establish here. I think the thing about Ruby Jewel is we're truly indulgent mm-hmm. and have really never left the, the roots of where we started. And one of the great things that Lisa did when she first started the business is, 
you know, in our category and in most categories throughout the grocery store, you kind of need to have to have the flavor or the format that everybody's expecting. And in our category, that's the vanilla ice cream chocolate chip cookie combination. We call it the classic in our line. And, and that's our number one seller. It's the number one seller for all brands in the yeah. category. And, and what Lisa did that that's kind of exciting and compelling for us and our brand is we have some other really interesting and unique combinations that are equally delicious that drive really exciting levels of volume. So as an example, we have a, a lemon cookie with lavender ice cream. We call it our lemon wow. lavender. It's, it's hugely appealing. And it's nice to have like a, a number two and a number three skew within the portfolio. We have a, a mince ice cream with a double chocolate chip cookie, which is incredibly indulgent and delicious and got a nice little mint bite to it. Or we have a salted caramel tapping into the trend of a salted <laughs> caramel that's so popular right now. And then interestingly, as we've tried to lean in and build the business over the last couple of years, we've identified some fun seasonal in and out opportunity. So we have a a pumpkin flavor that's on shelf right now. It's a ginger cookie with a pumpkin ice cream or a, a peppermints in the you know December window of time. Or we have a s'mores ice cream sandwich that's in the summer with a double chocolate cookie and marshmallows on the on the cookie. So I think what's really interesting about our brand is that we've got the the flagship, you know, the oh. traditional classic that drives the the base of volume, and you have some really fun and compelling and interesting and broadly appealing flavors that also drive some excitement and interest for the brand. Yeah. So interesting. And talk about your distribution. So where can people find you? Yeah. So we're building distribution rapidly right now. And when I took over two years ago, we were you know, still a Pacific Northwest brand with yeah. predominantly distribution in the states of, of Oregon and Washington. Yeah. And we've got for the, the industry folks that are listening, you know, we've got 85% ACV in natural foods in the Pacific Northwest and about 60% ACV in grocery in the Pacific Northwest. So, awesome. you know, we're in all the major retailers here, ranging from Fred Meyer to QFC to Safeway Albertsons to the natural retailers like Whole Foods and in, in New Seasons and, and everybody else in between. So what we've been focused on the last two years is, is taking that really exciting success of being a high velocity brand within the Pacific Northwest footprint and expanding that to a, a national geography. So about a year ago, we established broad distribution in Sprouts. So we're now nationally uh, available. We're in central markets in Texas. We're in the Whole Foods, Florida division, the Southwest division. We've got some conventional retailers in New England, like a big Y or in the Midwest, like a Woodman's and so we're focused on building out that grocery and natural foods footprint as we continue to grow and expand the business. And unlike a lot of natural foods brands, you know, we have a pretty interesting channel opportunity across food service and C-store as well. You know, we're an individually mm-hmm. wrapped ice cream sandwich. Yep. We're not a, you know, a four count box or an eight count box. So we're a immediately consumable packaging form. So you can find us at all the major C-store operators in the Pacific Northwest, ranging from a 7-Eleven to a plaid pantry. And we're expanding that footprint throughout the broader Western U.S. right now. And then we're also available in, this is really interesting and somewhat unique to our format too, we're in the food service broadliner distributors as well. So U.S. Foods, Cisco, Harbor, 
and we're getting into what we call BNI and 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 CNU. So the business and industry channel is big for us. So think Nike or Intel campuses where they have cafeterias and large gatherings of employees. So you can find our ice cream sandwiches there or in CNU colleges and universities. So think campus locations. It might be a Memorial Union. It might be a yeah. food service dining hall. So we have broad application and broad distribution potential. That's great. That's a great way to build demand too. In food it's service. pretty exciting. You know, it's in a fun way. It's a bit of a trial. It's, it's almost like driving trials through that broad expanded distribution and, and not paying for it in a sampling format and having exactly. it generate some revenue and sales for the business. Fantastic. And I know on your website you have, you can order, but I, how, how often do people actually do that? Is that a big driver for you guys or not really? We want it to be. We're following all the trends that everybody else yeah. is following in, in packaged goods. And we want to be able to bring product directly to consumers and pantry supply them at home and, yeah. and you have the doorbell ring and an ice cream sandwich be there for them. Amazing. Amazing. You know, what, what we found though, is that two things we're, we're frozen yeah. and we're, we're not just frozen pizza, frozen, we're no, frozen ice really cream, frozen. frozen. Yeah. So we're, we're negative 10, negative 15 degrees through yeah. the supply chain. Very difficult and very expensive to consistently have product deliver safely yeah. Consumers also don't like to plan the receipt of packages anymore. They want to click and forget. And, you know, maybe remember when the box shows up on the front desk or the front step. And you really can't do that with ice cream. And then we're also a novelty item, which is very impulse driven, right? You want it and you want it now. So we are doing direct consumer. We're seeing it often as a gift giving occasion or a nice surprise and delights, less as a pantry load because of that frozen and impulse nature. Where we're having a little bit more success, however, is through like a GoPuff type operator where a consumer can buy on demand yeah. and an Instacart type operator yeah. where you can buy on demand or, or just, you know, your regular click and pick. If you're going to go shopping at a, you know, Fred Meyer Kroger or a Whole Foods and you want to pick up curbside you know, we're getting a lot of that sort of online shopping, mm-hmm. just like every other brand is in the store. Yeah. So it's an important feature and factor for our brand. But I think that order from home through Amazon, it's a, it's just less of an application for us. Absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about how you're going about expanding your distribution from your, your local geography out to the rest of the country? Yeah, I think the key thing for us, and it's a, it's a little bit of our, our secret sauce, and, and I think a lot of brands strive to achieve this, and it's really hard to crack the code. And sometimes cracking the code is not something you can attempt to do. It's just something that happens yeah. to your brand. But our real compelling reason for existing is our velocity story. You know, we've got a super premium quality product, super premium ingredients, high, highly indulgent, but there's, there's something about our product that's pretty unique that whenever we put it on shelf at a retailer, it sells really well. And you know you can get trial for any brand if you try hard enough. You can price things to promote and, and give it away to incentivize purchase. But getting that continuous repeat Absolutely. purchase over and over again, there's this magic combination of packaging, imagery, yep. brand, price point, ingredient deck, just the flavor combination. And Ruby Jewel has it. You know, when we put our product on shelf, we are the highest velocity item in the category in natural foods. And on the conventional side, 
we end up competing head-to-head very successfully with longtime national brands like Klondike or Nestle or Unilever or Wells Blue Bunny. And it's just remarkable. I've, I've been successful in building a lot of brands across a lot of categories. And I've never seen a brand that turns this quickly right out of the gate when we establish new distribution. So, you know, our MO when we go out and meet with retailers across the country is to talk about our velocity story, talk about how we can add incremental volume and excitement to their category, how in a really strange way, how we can bring premium and natural to the category for the first time. If you look across the novelty category in conventional grocery across the country, it is still made up of the dollar ice cream sandwich from Nestle or Unilever, very low end. A lot of products that you can't refer to as ice cream, you have to refer to them as a frozen dessert because of the quality of the ingredients doesn't even qualify to be considered ice cream. And very, very low end, disposable, kid oriented, maybe kids birthday party oriented type products. So we want to appeal to a consumer that is looking for a better quality product, a premium quality product, wants healthier ingredients, that really wants to indulge. We understand everyone wants to be healthier and there are certain meatless Monday trends or reducing dairy intake trends. We, We totally support and buy into all of that. But we also know that the consumer is seeking a truly indulgent location experience. And we want to be there for that. And we know that we're the best tasting product for that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I think that, I mean, the indulgence thing is real for all of us, but I think that the healthier you think you want to be and the more concerned with ingredients you are and staying on a plan or eliminating certain things from your diet, the more important the quality of your indulgences become because you don't have as many of them. When you do, you want something really, really special, not some junk that can't even qualify as ice cream. You want something that's really outstanding because you just don't do it as often. So yeah, I, I totally love that. agree with that. And, yeah. You know, I say to myself all the time when I, if I'm going to eat a novelty, you know, I, I, I eat a lot of ice cream sandwiches, as you can imagine. But, you know, when I get into other categories of consumption for myself personally, whether it be a, a donut or a cookie or, or anything else, I really say to myself, you know, do I want to waste my yeah. 200, 300 calories on something that's not that good? Or am yeah. I going to save it for something that's really, really good and worth it? Exactly. And I decline low quality indulgent snacks and treats all the time. And I want to save it for something that's really good. And consumers are doing the same thing. Absolutely. Can you talk about some of the challenges? I mean, we all have them. We've certainly all had them during COVID. Like what, what are you experiencing that you feel like you've really had to work hard to get around or you that could potentially help someone avoid those kinds of things? Yeah, probably a couple different things. You know, one really importantly for our business you know, we spent the last, whatever it's been so far, 10, 15 minutes talking specifically about ice cream sandwiches. Yeah. And that's all we do today. So we're very narrowly focused on that. Over the life cycle of this brand over the last 17, 18 years, we started as an ice cream sandwich business. We added pint ice cream. We started making tub ice cream. We opened us up ice cream shops in 2010. We opened up food trucks in approximately 2015 or 16 or so. And we started doing additional businesses that were outside of our core competency that became distractions and impediments 
to being focused on our core competency. And so I've spent the last two years winding down four ice cream shop locations that we close, closing and selling off four food trucks that we own. We even got into a catering and events business where we were, you know, supporting weddings and bar mitzvahs or graduations or corporate events at Nike. They were all fun and exciting. It was great to see people indulge and enjoy in our delicious treats, but it took away from our core competency. So a big focus on getting focus, a focus on getting focused, really just to be narrow and specific and do one thing really, really well. And what we found when we did that, that noise that it removed and the excitement that it generated for our brand internally and the proof points that we were able to establish by having myriad small victories, whether it be improving and reducing costs of goods while at the same time improving our quality or establishing new and expanded distribution points or increasing velocities because we did a trial driving program because we weren't distracted by some other part of our business. It's been really exciting and really successful. That's one the probably the, the, one of the really big things. The second is it's all about people. We have a very team-oriented focus, and I know everybody uses that, that word all the time to try to establish an organizational approach to how they build their business, but we truly embrace it. We think having the right people for the right job in the right place at the right time is absolutely critical, and developing a culture of fun, excitement, commitment, you know, mutual respect, contribution, sharing, and we, we put a lot of time and energy to get the right people in the organization, retain the right people, train the right people. And we're getting to a point where we're all working together in lockstep for a shared mission. We're friends in addition to being colleagues. And that doesn't mean we spend all of our weekends together, but you know it's a fun, exciting place to, to come to work every day. We're selling ice cream sandwiches. It's a fun, experiential, indulgent product. We want to have a fun, experiential indulgent work life. And we've made a lot of progress in that. That's awesome. I think that's really important and hard to do right now, especially with the disconnect of the physical disconnect of people. But it sounds like you guys are not physically disconnected, but that commitment's awesome. But I want to go back to the first thing that you said, because I think it's worth just saying again, when you're doing a lot of different things, even though they all seem like really good ideas, it can be not only is it a distraction, but it's in money, it pushes money to different places, it pushes people's focus to all the new things instead of all the really important things. So I think that's really important. And I don't think I've talked about that that much. I mean, I've talked about the idea of over expanding product lines and over innovating with a lot of brands, but the idea of really focusing and actually undoing some of the things that were done that seemed like they were really good ideas, that's that's really important and really hard also. I'm sure it wasn't easy to decide those things. I'm sure there was a lot of heart for, we have ice cream shops, we should keep them open. We made these food trucks and they were really important to us. And so I'm sure it wasn't easy to make those decisions. Yeah, there's, it, there wasn't easy. There was, uh, in addition to, you know, there's there's legal obligations, right? Yes. You know, think, think retail shops. So you have these yeah, commitments definitely. and partners and we had team members that were working there and many of our team members have been working with us for years too. So there's a, a very challenging emotional connection uh, to that part of our business. 
The reality was, though, we, we kind of knew, and, and I think a lot of brands understand, when you make some decisions that don't lead to positive financial outcomes, you know, our survival to a degree depended on making some difficult decisions and, and focusing in the right way. And, and I think what I've, I've found, I think our team has found, there's a, a really amazing power and freedom in being able to say no. Yeah. Right. We don't we, we, we often try to push ourselves to do more things, yes. more stuff, more activity, more new products, more new product ideas, more innovation. And it's OK. But let's focus on what we have, what we have when we started, you know, this evolution two years ago had a, a tiny footprint distribution in the Pacific Northwest. Now, it was a nice sized business. I don't want to I don't want to you know, denigrate it in any way. It was a very good starting point and a launching point for us. But being able to say no to some new opportunities that were outside the strategic core or initiatives that that may be interesting and exciting in a boardroom, but in practical application would be pure distractions. It's a really invigorating no. And it gives everybody the, the certainty of what they're working on day in, day out, and why, and what they want to lean into and why. And it's been very effective for us. That's fantastic. It's great. And it's impressive. And I know how hard it is because I've gone through it myself. It's hard when you have to make those decisions, but really important for the business. And so I think when you're, you know, we're talking to a lot of people who are at the early stage on this podcast, and I think it's really important to know that and you put it so well, saying no is okay sometimes and not only just okay, really critical, yep. really critical to the business. That's amazing. So what, a, what are you feeling? Where do you want the brand to be in, in a couple of years from now? Like what's your actual goal? We want to bring our tagline, if you will, our, our kind of objective for our brand. You know, we call it pure joy. We're again, an indulgent product and we want to bring joy and happiness to people on those occasions where they're looking for this type of treat. And a product of our level of quality and flavor profile and ingredient deck, it's just not available broadly enough yet. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we want to be a national brand. We want to be available nationally in grocery and natural foods. You know, we're already making you know, significant progress there. We have a very unique opportunity to be available in other channels from coast to coast. Equally importantly, small brands like ours, having spent a lot of time in the industry, you know this, they burn through a lot of cash as they continue to grow. And they need to go back to the well often in different stages of their life cycle. You know, it's a really important objective of mine. And we have a, a very clear path and a very short-term path on how we can get there to be profitable and self-sufficient and to be able to kind of control our own destiny. So a big part of that is to be able to, you know, support our existing team members, to be able to reward and compensate effectively for the key contributions people make to be self-sufficient and control our own destiny by driving profitable sales for our business. And of course, you know, bring this pure joy from coast to coast. That's amazing. Those are all great things. And when you think about how you're going to do it, is there capital raising in your future? Is there, is it, I mean, have you done enough with the business to not have to go that route? I mean, I feel like everyone has to go that route at some point. Yeah. So we're kind of at that stage right now. We're, we're in the middle of a fundraise. We're hoping to complete that before the end of the year. And, you know, if 
if our actual performance aligns with our projected performance, you know, yeah. we're optimistic that'll be a, a one-time raise to help us take this business to where we need and want it to go. And what will you do? Will that be for production, for marketing, for everything? You know, it is a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. You know, we are unique in that a lot of the brands and natural foods that are emerging brands and challenger brands are leveraging co-manufacturer support to deliver their product. We made a decision long before I arrived here to self-manufacture. So we have a 10,000 square foot manufacturing facility here in Portland. We make Gosh, we're making upwards of 20,000 ice cream sandwiches a, a shift right now. So we have wow. we have capabilities that we can grow and expand on. And we're looking to automate to improve our, our profitability. So a portion of the, the raise would be to continue to build out our manufacturing capability. But we also want to build and expand our team. We mm-hmm. also want to invest more aggressively in marketing. And somewhat uniquely, while I think a lot of brands have seasonality to them, you know, we're we're not quite as seasonal as ice cubes, but we're pretty darn close, right? There's a there's a five month window between Memorial Day and Labor Day or so yeah. that that a, a large chunk of the volume comes from, and you know we have to manufacture and support our infrastructure year round. So there is a cash flow requirements in the winter months that's pretty pretty significant. Yeah. So it'll help from that perspective as well. What's your biggest worry or what's keeping you up at night going forward? Like, what do you see as the next hurdle or what's the biggest challenge you're facing right now? Probably two things. And they're, they're, I think they're very related to one another. One is, you know, I talked a little bit about the velocities of Ruby Jewel and our performance mm-hmm. and it still blows me away. I was looking at a, a key Pacific Northwest retailer. I won't mention the the name, but in natural foods. And we just did a an ice cream promotion, ice cream sandwich promotion tied into their ice cream event. And we sold 55 units per store per week of our number one selling SKU, the classic. So you're talking about incredibly high velocities for a a category and even higher for our brand within the category. So our biggest keep me awake at night sort of challenge right now is keeping up with, with demand. We're growing rapidly. We're building out our manufacturing footprints. We also think we're going to have some co-manufacturing support long-term. So I think that's a, I wouldn't say I'm losing sleep, but we need to focus on it and put a lot of attention behind it. And then the second thing that's very directly related because we run our own manufacturing here is just the labor pool. I think everybody's facing hiring challenges and we're not immune to that. We're a company size of approximately 50 people right now and about 30 or so in manufacturing. And so we have a headcount expansion need and it's difficult to get you know new people on board. And there's a lot of competition in the marketplace. And I think we're all reading a lot about how workers not returning to the, the labor pool the way they have in past mm-hmm. economic downturns. So as we bounce back from the pandemic, who's coming back to work and who isn't and why? So that definitely keeps us awake at night. Yeah, that that is real. That need, I mean, for across all industries, it's so crazy. It's a good worry to have about how you're going to keep up with demand. I would say there are a lot of worries that aren't good, but that one's a pretty good one. So I like that. We we put it in the high quality problem category. Yeah, exactly, sure. exactly. It's better high than the al- yeah, yes. better than the alternative. Definitely. Oh, this has been so great. I think you've you've given such great advice for people, and I love the brand story. I have two more questions for you. First of all, we didn't talk about where the name came from. So I'm curious about that. And I kept meaning to ask you, but I kept forgetting. So I'm going to ask you now. 
really simple. So our founder, Lisa Herlinger, yep. she was on a camping trip with some friends in, I think it was in Colorado in the early 2000s as she was kind of percolating this idea to create an ice cream sandwich business. And she stayed at a yurt, Y-U-R-T, yurt, yep. on a camping trip. And it was called Ruby Jewel. And she took that name and brought it back and, and fell in love with it. And it totally works. Totally works. Amazing. That's amazing. Okay, yep. so that's cool. And then my last thing for you is, do you have anything left that you'd like to add to, for anyone who's listening before we wrap up? Probably the big thing for me, and I think what we've had a lot of fun and success with at Ruby Jewel, and I've already talked about it, but I'll just reiterate it. It, it truly is all about the team mm-hmm. and the culture that you create. And part of it is, you know, just having a good, positive working environment where people are excited to come in every day. And part of it is having the right skill set. Mm-hmm. You know, as you, as you go from a, you know, a small emerging brand and a regional footprint to a national footprint and hopefully beyond, you need the right skills, right? You need to have the right sophisticated thinkers that can elevate and professionalize the team and the organization and bring the efficiencies and the business smarts and the business intelligence and IQ to the organization. And I think we've been really fortunate to find and retain the right people. So this is, this is, this is not a, a me organization. This is not a you know, Lisa Herlinger founder organization. This is a, you know, an us or an our organization. Yeah. And all I do and my role is to get the right people in the right place and try to remove any impediments to their success. And if we can do that, I think we've got a a very exciting future ahead of us. Well, you're making it sound very easy. I just want to say that. And we all know it isn't, but that's a, it's a gift. I mean, you're making, it sounds like you're having a lot of fun doing it. And I would imagine that your team is also feeling the same vibes that you're putting out there. So that's really awesome. So congratulations on everything that's happening. I really think it's awesome. And I'm so happy for you guys. I wish that you were distributed here in New Jersey. We'll be there very, very soon. We'll be there soon enough. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Maybe we can help a little bit with that. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the interview and the time. And I can't wait to get it posted. This has been great. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Christy. I really appreciate it. It's been great talking to you. I really yeah. appreciate all the time. Thank you for listening to The Irresistible Factor. I'm Christy Bridges, and I can't wait to see you next Wednesday. Wednesday.